Hi, friends. Welcome to Bar Breaks with Marisol. In this episode, you're going to hear a conversation between myself and an old colleague of mine named Paul Zambrano. Paul and I are college graduates of music from Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, Florida. We hope you enjoy this podcast where we just talk shop, catch up, and you will get a sneak preview of two tracks of Paul's latest album release, Death is Beautiful. So kick back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this edition of Bar Breaks. Explain the story of Death is Beautiful. Essentially, it's about the main character, Liam, and his uh, love interest, whose name is Lila, dies of leukemia. And as the album progresses, he begins to have outer body experiences through lucid dreams. And in those and in those lucid dreams, he would be transported into a sort of afterlife type of dimension where he tries to find her spirit in that place. But each time, as he gets closer and closer, the dream world collapses and he wakes back up. That dream world sort of gets more and more chaotic. But eventually, he finds her and they uh, reconnect. Ultimately, uh, Lila tells her tells him that uh, if he wants to be with her, he'll have to kill himself. That's wild. And basically, when he does that and actually uh, commits suicide, he's transported into that dream world, but it's not the way it appears to him in his dream. And ultimately, the twist of it all is Lila is actually a personification of death, and she kept seducing him to kill himself so they could be together. Ah, okay. Well, I think that's really great, actually. And I know you recently released uh, one of your tracks. What was the first release from the album? The first one was Sleepless. And then the one that the most recent one was uh, Lucid. I liked Lucid. I heard it. (laughs) And I loved it, actually. (laughs) You know what? Um, I was actually speaking with someone about your album. And I remember saying, and I said, you have to really just listen to the entire album from beginning to end once it releases. And I said, the one thing I love about doing this podcast is I get to experience somebody's artwork before it releases to the public. So in in a sense, I get spoiled because I get to hear the magic before everybody else. But what I did explain was it's a really interesting journey. I said, it, you know, it's like orchestral, but... It's also got this um, this very funky like synth and ulterior world that goes mixed into it. I mean, I just I loved it because it was very unique and different. It's not um, typical of what anybody would hear if they said, oh, you know, it's this genre or it's that genre. It is kind of in a class all by itself. That's why I really enjoyed it. Oh, well. Well, thank you. That's then uh, I guess that's one thing I've been hoping to achieve.
You've just heard Lucid, one of the many awesome tracks you're going to get to experience on Paul Zambrano's new album, Death is Beautiful. In this next segment, we're just going to talk a little bit about who Paul's influences are as a composer and what he's been doing during COVID. So are you, uh, during COVID-19, do you find that you're less busy or more busy? I would say that COVID is probably the reason why this album came to fruition, because I actually had the time to do it. What social medias are you using right now um, for people to follow you? Mostly Facebook and Instagram, but I'm slowly uh, just keeping on Instagram. Facebook is just a hit or miss sometimes. Yeah, I've noticed that um, Instagram has now become like the number one go-to for a lot of people. Yeah. And and it's weird because, you know, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I, in the very beginning when I first started using Instagram, I didn't pay attention to it enough. And then everybody kept saying, pay more attention to Instagram for whatever reason. The algorithm is better and, um, oh, yeah. you know, your stuff is getting viewed a lot more often than what you would think that it was getting viewed. So yeah, that's actually a very good tip, you know, for those people out there who are opening social media accounts or have them pay attention to your Instagram. It's probably the thing that's going to help you the most Yeah, and let people direct message you so that you can have those, you know, quick conversations and say, if you want to know more, let's have a chat. Yeah, of course. Imagine all the really cool artists that have come and gone. And if there was an artist that is no longer with us, that you wish you could have worked with, who would it be? Bernard Herrmann. Bernard Herrmann. And what is he best known for? You know about uh, Vertigo and uh, Psycho, those two Hitchcock films, right? Oh my God, yes. Those are my two favorite Hitchcock films of all time. He's my, he's my biggest uh, musical influence right now. I totally get why you like him. I know those movies by heart. And now I understand a little bit about you. That's insane. <laughs> what an awesome influence. I spend a lot of time on Sirius XM satellite radio listening to Cinemagic, you know, where they just play nothing but all those, you know, all those scores. And it's fantastic to hear them. It, just to try and play, you know, who is that? Yeah, everyone I know is fanboy, fangirling about John Williams being so great. But in my opinion, I think Bernard Herrmann is like, top tier for me like john williams john williams don't get me wrong is uh is amazing and he's a genius but i feel like bernard herman res resonates more with me yeah i totally get why he resonates more with you i can't wait for everybody to hear your album because it, it really is very good So welcome back to Bar Breaks. In this particular segment, Paul and I are basically just talking about what he's currently working on and some small general tips and tricks of the trade. So what were you working on, just out of curiosity? What I'm doing is a mock-up, an orchestral mock-up for a different composer who's working on a uh, web series. So he's a bit more traditional pen and paper type dude. Well, not so much pen and paper because he's doing it off of Sibelius, but same same principle, but but uh, he he pretty much uh, scores in the notation program and then sends it to me, and I go into Logic and try to make it as realistic as possible because we can't really afford a full orchestra. No, I don't think anyone can, no 
no uh, indie composer can afford a full orchestra unless they're a trust fund baby. Well, you know, if you're um, if you're using Logic, um, what uh, what plugins are you using? Because I have um, Native Instruments complete. Oh God, that's <laughs> I have like uh, two almost three terabytes worth of samples that I use. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. But um, a lot of the stuff that Native in Instruments has put out is just phenomenal. I'm I'm a bit of a snob, and I never use any of Native Instruments stuff. Well, you know, and that's the whole thing. Everybody has a preference, and I think it's also a question of how you manipulate the sound, you know, to get it to sound as realistic as possible. Because, you know, where software is concerned, there's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. But I think it's all like that preference of how you manipulate it, you know, to work in your favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen people have, I've seen people have like the most boutique, the highest quality uh, lib libraries. Like there is one dude who uh, has more than, I, than more than I own and his mock-ups sound like shit, utter shit. How do you have such great software and you still sound like shit? Again, question of do you know how to use your software do you know how to manipulate it because there you know that there are some little certain tips and tricks where especially where strings are concerned yeah and it's and it's across the board for all the different softwares like you would never just end the note you would you want to overlap them yes so that it yes. sounds like they're drawing back and forth and also and also it's a matter of using using the correct the mic positions, how how dry, and me personal personally, I like to use the dry mics and then just put re put reverb on it whenever whenever I can and just a lot of convolution. A lot of actually, I don't really use a lot of convolu convolution. I use more plate reverbs, and I keep, think I get like a better result. Even though even though there is a bit, I have to be you have to be careful with plate re reverbs because there is you can get some phasing. Oh wow, yeah. I would I would imagine that you would actually. Yeah. But it is smart that you're using it basically kind of like in the raw and just, you know, a dry recording because it makes more sense to, you know, be able to add just as much as you need or to be able to take away. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Oh man, I, I miss you, man. You know, I, I wish that we had gotten to spend more time together when we were in Florida. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm still here, of course, but um, you know, I get it. You know, you evolved, and what I appreciate about you the most is that you have a drive that a lot of people I didn't see a lot of people with the same passionate drive. You said, I want to leave. I want to go to California. I want to try my luck. I want to work, but I want to be in my industry. I don't want to do anything except what my industry is. I want to be that writer, that composer. And you know what? You're doing it. Interesting that you you say that. And uh, I remember you telling me that the last time and why the hell do I have such a drive? And I never explained why, but it sort of has a really heavy backstory. I think when I was like six or nine around that time, I, I was homeschooled. But also at the same time, there were these uh, neighborhood bullies who always used to torment me. This one defining incident, they all ganged up and threw rocks at me and shit. And um, now that I realized that incident sort of triggered extreme social anxiety that I was probably never aware about until very, very recently. And I thought it was was uh, being homeschooled that caused that social awkwardness. And so you're realizing that that part wasn't necessarily true, the homeschooled part, but more, you know, because kids can be so mean, you know? I mean, they just, they're so cruel. I mean, I, I've been there. I, I don't know one person in my life that wasn't bullied. Yeah. But you know what? For all of us who were bullied, we do carry a little something, something inside that, you know, for the rest of our lives, there's, Kind of like a little semi-chip on our shoulder, if you will. Being like homeschooled and isolated didn't really help my cause because if you were bullied as a kid, you'd actually go to school and you'd have like your group of friends who you can uh, confide in. I didn't have any of that. So by default, I started to associate people and kids as these scary ass fucking people. And that sort of affected my social skills growing up. During high school, middle school and all that, and even to college, I was a bit timid and quiet as well. Yes. I always saw that you were quiet, but I feel like I was always kind of chasing you. I was like, come on, Paul, come hang out. I always thought to myself, what the hell? Why am I like this? I thought for like all these years, it was because being homeschooled. And yeah. So a lot of resentment, a lot of people telling me that, oh, he's probably not going to uh, get anywhere if he continues this way, yada, yada. That's actually a recurring uh, statement I hear. If you continue this way, you're not going to get get anywhere. And yet your drive continues to push you further, which I see it. And how do you want to be remembered? I don't know. I guess that's a misfit. Well, misfits are actually more interesting people than the average Joe Blows. So I would prefer the misfit over the average normal. But man, I am so glad we got this chance to catch up. And um, congratulations. I definitely wish you all the success in the world. You really, truly deserve it. And don't ever let anybody step on your dreams or, or try to you know, block you from anything. You just keep marching forward the way you've been doing. And I know for a fact, you're going to be very successful. All right. Sounds good. Well, nice talking again. Yeah, man. It's always so great to hear your voice. I miss you, buddy. We should chat more often. Seriously. Hell yeah. I miss you too. We'll uh, keep in touch. I'd like to take this opportunity to extend my deepest gratitude to Paul Zambrano for taking the time to sit down and give me a full point-by-point description of how Death is Beautiful was written and produced. 
If you're interested in following Paul Zambrano, I would certainly encourage you to look him up on any of your streaming platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, etc. You will find him under his artist name, Paul Zambrano. His latest release was released on October 2nd, 2020. Full album name is Death is Beautiful. You may also follow him on Instagram under the sign name Paul Zambrano 360. That's Paul Zambrano 360. Once again, thank you for listening to Bar Breaks with Marisol. I look forward to entertaining you. I look forward to giving you stories and giving you inside tips of some of the things that go on inside the engineer's mind, as well as crawling inside the artist and knowing just how crazy and complicated some of their music actually really is. And if anything, just to have that bird's eye view to get a better and deeper understanding of how the artist's mind works. (laughs) 